What's going on, guys? Welcome inside Take to Take. Patrick Talon here, as always, joined alongside Luke Burrows, uh, Nick Robinson. And NHL season is underway. We had a couple games last night, and we couldn't wait another week to dissect it, so I want to get into it right away. Uh, before we do, Nick, Luke, how are we doing today? Good Tonight, question. I should say. It's almost 9 p.m., so. Yeah, I'm doing good. Good to have hockey back, and uh, I'm excited to talk some actual, real, live NHL hockey here for the first time in what feels like forever. I thought about that. Yeah, uh, it's the first. Well, how many days was that? I don't know, but it, it's, it's been a, a long months. time. Yeah, a couple months, and we had a hard time in the off season stretching out content. But um, it's day one, and there's already drama. And before we get into the games itself, let's talk about a tweet from Nick Kiprios. Um, he tweeted, and, and let's take it with a grain of salt. Kind of with all due respect to Kiprios, he did tweet last year that Shea Weber might retire, and then Weber came back a day later. So. Before, I, before we say it, let's just remember that. Uh, he tweeted, Pierre-Luc Dubois' first destination choice is the Montreal Canadiens. Um, the Blue Jackets' ask is now focused around Nick Suzuki plus. Romanov has been deemed untouchable. Would you do it if you were Mark Bergevin? So this was talked about a couple weeks ago before Pierre-Luc Dubois signed his bridge deal, two years, $5 million, and now he wants out. And I was actually listening to TSN 690 this morning, and they were talking about how John Tortorella went on Columbus radio and was saying, yep, he wants out. It's really hard for me to coach a guy knowing he doesn't want to be here, but at least he's honest. And I kind of wished he was more honest. Um, and he kind of went on to say how it's, it's really hard to trick to, to coach someone when you know, they want out. So that much is clear. He wants out if that's this year, or if he, if it's in two years when his contract is up still remains to be seen, but um, let's talk about this for a little bit. Because it seems to be Montreal. I know Winnipeg was another one that was that was interested. Um, what would Montreal have to give up to get Pierre-Luc Dubois? Yeah, well, I don't know. Um, but to answer your first question, if you were Mark Bergeron, would you do it? Uh, probably, probably not. And that's that's hard to say because he's a great hockey player. But Montreal, at least from my perspective, and I'm assuming you kind of support me as a Habs fan here, Pat. Montreal doesn't really need to do that right now. Um, Montreal is far from perfect, but I think uh, forward depth and center depth is not their area of concern. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the trade would be. Um, so I'm obviously not going not gonna to comment on that necessarily. But I just think if I were Montreal, I don't have a huge desire to go out and get someone like Dubois. All right, Nick, what do you think? Well, it depends what the asking price is starting with for me. Um, You know, Columbus isn't just going to give a guy like Pierre-Luc Dubois away. They're going to obviously seek a massive return for him. Um, You know, that return could start with somebody like a Nick Suzuki or even a Jesperi Kotkaniemi. And we know that Pierre-Luc Dubois is a one-line center. That is, at least in my opinion, at this point, is a fact. And when you're talking about sort of that return for him and what you're going to be giving up, it really depends how highly uh, you value Kotkaniemi and Suzuki if you are in Montreal. Yes, they both have the potential to probably be a one-line center, but how sure of you, sure are you of that? You know, you're trading essentially a mystery box that could be better or worse than Pierre-Luc Dubois for a guaranteed one-line center, which we know the Montreal Canadiens famously have not had in quite a long time. They always thought maybe somebody like Jonathan Duran was going to be the next French-Canadian superstar of the team. Well, you also have one here that fills that 1C role as well. I can see the appeal for Montreal, but it really depends how highly you value some of those prospects in your system. 
Yeah. So apparently Bergevin has been talking to Yarmo. Well, all GMs are talking. And I think whenever people talk about this trade, it, it's going to come down to uh, Suzuki or Kakaniemi. Romanov has to be untouchable. Montreal has depleted their mobile defenseman over the last five years. Romanov, you have to keep. So out of those two, um, I'd have a hard time trading either because I still think there's potential with Kakaniemi, despite Pierre-Luc Dubois being the better player. Uh, I, I'm not moving Suzuki for Pierre-Luc Dubois at all. I still think Suzuki will be a better hockey player. Suzuki, uh, you can call this bias. You can call me overreacting. I, I do think he has superstar potential, uh, and I mean that. I do think 70 to 80 points is is, is probable with him. Uh, the question mark is Kakaniemi, and you look at Jarmo Kekalainen. He likes his finished players. He could see uh, someone like Jesperi Kakaniemi on the move. The other one, and I don't think this is going to happen, but just because I've seen it thrown out there, is moving Philip Deneau, whose point totals are similar to Pierre-Luc Dubois. He's a two-way player who works well under torts, but I can't see Montreal doing that. You have, you'd have to throw in a Caulfield uh, a couple firsts at least. So um, we'll see. I, I, for, if I'm Montreal, it's like if you move on from one of those centers, you get Pierre-Luc Dubois, what's the quarantine period? Is it 14 days? Are you going 14 days without a center and then waiting for that next one to come in? I don't know. It's uh, it's it's a lot of talk. And the other one that we want to talk about was Line. And if I think he just whatever, scored, didn't he? He did just score. Yes, he apparently, has just scored. Apparently, it was there a nice hockey goal. on right now. Yes. Um, there are rumors that Winnipeg is interested, and I don't think center is the need for. Oh, sorry. Or what? Continue. Sorry, I thought you said Winnipeg is interested in Line. Continue. Um. Well, the the Line saga in Winnipeg has been weird, but. Say you do that swap, Kekalainen gets a finished player in line A, um, and the Jets get another dominant <laughs> center in Pierre-Luc Dubois. Do you guys see that a fit? And I feel like I don't. I'll start because I can't imagine Patrick Line not playing defense for John Tortorella. It doesn't make a lot of sense for me. Um, we know John Tortorella and Pierre-Luc Dubois didn't work, which, we, which is weird. And we've seen this before. Uh, Nick, we saw it with Anthony Duclair. He criticized him a ton, and then he scores 20 goals, gets a hat-trick against, uh, against Columbus. Do you guys think this is a Pierre-Luc Dubois issue, or do you think it's a John Tortorella issue? I would probably point towards saying it's more a torts issue. Again, we can't really comment too much because we don't know the specifics of what's going on there. But I, I would more so assume that this is something to do with Tortorella and management in general, just because, like you said, Patrick, it's something we've seen before in the past with players that have played under Tortorella. You know, Luke, you can maybe speak to it even. That year that he coached in Vancouver, it almost felt like at times players were so split in that dressing room and in the media because nobody knew where they were. Really Really stood under Tortorella and the heavy criticism. Yes, it's a lot to deal with. We know Torts is like a proven quality NHL head coach. He's won a lot of things in this league, but you know, he does have a knack for getting under players' skin in the wrong way. And especially somebody young like Pierre-Luc Dubois, somebody who has the potential to be a franchise star for Columbus, that's not somebody you want to be, you know, pissing off at this point in his career. So I would it, assume it's probably something to do with Tortorella. It's, it's hard you, to... Torts was a I was going to say, because Torts was a coach in Vancouver. Was there any, I don't remember because that was a long time ago. Was there any of that in, in Vancouver when you were a fan? I, I can't well, think of any specific like player situation. I could be wrong. Um, those were the dark days, though. We don't like to think about those. Um, Fair enough. It's hard to say that, but it's hard to totally kind of blame it on Tortorella because like Nick said, he has proven himself to be at some points over his career, one of the best coaches in the league. Uh, he's consistently in um, Jack Adams conversations. Like he's, he's a really good coach. So, I mean, not, not to kind of 
escape from the debate, but maybe it's neither of the the fair. two parties' faults. Um, again, like Nick said, we don't know. Um, no one. That's kind of the whole point. No one knows what Dubois is is wanting out for. So it's hard to say. Assuming it's some kind of conflict with Tortorella, which wouldn't be surprising. Um, maybe like yeah, maybe it's no one's fault. I, I'm sure not everyone can play under that kind of style. Um, but I don't want to say um, Dubois as an NHL player should be able to. If if Tortorella wasn't an established coach, I I mean he probably wouldn't be in this position anyways. But he is, so I it's it's kind of hard to for me at least to to kind of put the blame on him when he's he's kind of done what he's done. Yeah, it's a weird situation. We don't have to touch too much on it. I just thought, you know, it's day one after Montreal plays Toronto and there is a ton of talk already on Twitter about Pierre-Luc Dubois. Um, I like the idea. I would just be wary if I'm Bergevin. I could probably swallow trading Kakanyemi for him. I probably couldn't with Nick Suzuki. Uh, I think Suzuki is will be the better player. He's 21 years old and he's already playing amazing. So uh, anyway, let's let's move on and let's talk about talk about Montreal because they played Toronto um, last night and the Leafs won 5-4 in overtime honestly like it sucks when the Habs lose but for me it was just a fun game happy hockey is back that was really entertaining I think the rivalry is going to get really bitter very soon Um, standouts for me were Nylander and Tavares Uh, um, not standouts on Toronto was Bogosian because he was playing how everyone knows Stand out for the wrong reasons. Exactly. Uh, Nick, what were your thoughts on, on this game? And obviously you're being a Sens fan. Ottawa plays them uh, pretty soon. What did you think of this uh, historic game? Well, obviously, if you know that game was any indication of what's to come, not only between those, the, sorry, those two teams, but the entire North Division this year, then I think we're going to be in for some pretty exciting hockey. It was a great contest between the two. You know, Montreal – you thought sort of they were going to run away with it at some point in the second period. Toronto really started to look down and out at points in the second, especially when Montreal was able to extend their lead. But, you know, silly penalties and a couple of mistakes uh, allowed Toronto to catch up and get back into the game for Montreal. So you're probably going to want to look for better game management for Montreal as the season progresses. But, you know, it is game one out of 56. They've still got a lot to go. Everybody's still getting readjusted to playing. Um, one thing that really sticks out for me and on the Toronto side is, you know, Frederick Anderson struggling again last night. We've seen this from him throughout his time in Toronto. We've seen it from him throughout his career. He really, really struggles in the first month or two of the season. And in a shortened season this year with such a condensed schedule, I don't know that he can afford to do that. I, we'll see what happens this weekend. Two games against the Senators. He's pretty much guaranteed to play one, if not both. Uh, I'd assume Campbell starts one of them. But Fred Anderson is guaranteed another game this weekend. We're going to have to see what he brings to the table there because Toronto can't really afford to be giving up four goals a game to teams and, you know, expecting them to score them like that. As someone that, I mean, Nick doesn't have any skin in the game either, but a Sens fan's a bit more involved. Um, I watched the game off and on. It was a very entertaining game. Patrick, I will be honest. Um, <clears throat> I thought Montreal looked all right. Uh, I thought Suzuki. Well, hey, looked... whoa, 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 Hang on. Do not mumble. And when you mean all right, do you mean good? I thought Suzuki looked okay. Um, Pardon? Josh Anderson is all right. Um, <laughs> Suzuki looked. Suzuki, Suzuki looked really good. 
I'll be honest about that. I, I was, I, I mean, I knew, I knew he was good in the playoffs, but uh, he looked, he looked pretty good. Uh, Josh Anderson scored two goals, which is um, <clears throat> that happened last night. I will say uh, I, and yeah, there's probably some bias there. I kind of had an eye out for Kotkaniemi as well. I didn't, I wasn't blown away. But um, it was an exciting game, nonetheless. I think, I, I feel like that that is exactly what happens in like every single Leafs Habs game. It's just it's something exactly like that. Um, that was kind of that was kind of that, that that was I don't know that was exciting to see on on opening night. That was a good way to to bring it in. But as a as a I realized this when the game ended as a division member now with the Leafs and the Habs. Of course. That uh, that was not an ideal finish for a Canucks fan, and same for you, Nick. If the Sens are to make a run, um, three point games are not what I want to see. So that's mm-hmm. a new, interesting dynamic for all of us. Yeah, very big of you, Luke. I'm really glad you said that. Um, I look. I know. Well, yeah, obviously... we're getting to Vancouver, Edmonton shortly, so I'm assuming it'll uh, yeah. come back um, the other way. I, I I would agree. Um, I don't know about you guys, and I know we love to make fun of them i'm not doing this just to do it but i didn't think toronto looked that good uh bogosian i thought was (laughs) unbelievably terrible um simmons fought and i know people think that's why toronto won never mind the fact that montreal took two penalties anderson didn't look good i didn't notice joe thornton on the top line i was very impressed with nylander and Tavares, but overall i thought Tavares looked or the the leafs looked pretty weak Um, and sean keith did say today they will be keeping the same lineup at least for friday against the senators so yeah uh you know, we're going to see what Zach Bogosian does, if he can rebound, you know, maybe against a lesser um, team in Ottawa, yep. a team that's not as deep offensively. We'll see what they're able to do, if they're able to contain that better. But if not, then I think we're going to quickly see that become an issue or some sort of storyline in Toronto. Yeah, I think, look, I understand Bogosian has a lot more NHL experience than Lettinen, but you might want to give that guy a chance. Um, Nick Robertson, you know, he was pulled out of the World Juniors in part because of COVID uh, precautions, but also because he was expected to make the Leafs team, and he hasn't. And maybe you want to put someone like him in uh, in the lineup. But let me ask real quick, just because I was super excited to see him. Romanov had his debut. Did you guys think he was good? Yeah, he looked great. Looked outstanding. You see what all the hype's about immediately from him. And, you know, maybe if, if performances like that continue again, it's only game one. But, uh, you know, maybe he'll start to put himself in the Keller conversation. Yeah, I thought he looked all right. God, Luke, Luke's Vancouver Homer behavior. Anyway, let's talk about Vancouver uh, because they played Edmonton and they won. Um, I watched the first period in a bit. I saw Horvat's goal, um, and then I found out later that Hoglander scored, which is super cool because I, I love watching him in Europe. Um, Besser had two goals, and Gaudet scored as well. Um, Luke, I'm going to ask you because I didn't watch the game. How did Vancouver look early on? They looked um, sustainable is a word I would use. They didn't, they didn't look awesome, which uh, isn't really what I would have expected, but they looked consistent and they looked, they did, they, there weren't any glaring holes, um, which I'm kind of okay with because they, they don't have a superstar roster. They, they have a lot of, um, they, they do have a lot of holes when you look at their, their lineup, but last night it was pretty consistent all around and they they shut down pretty well in my opinion the best player in the league best 
one of the best lines in the league. I was I was pretty happy. Holpe looked good. Um, <clears throat> Demko's in tonight, so I'm I'm all for a, uh, a goalie tandem battle. I'm I don't know one game, but I have uh, positive expectations. Yeah, and I think last night showed what Vancouver's going to need all season. They're going to need depth guys to step up, like Gaudet, to score. They're going to need Hoglander to make some sort of a smooth transition into the NHL. Again, he looked good yesterday, and Holpe looked good in his debut, and they're going to need strong goaltending. We talked a lot about that in our preview show. Vancouver's going to need, you know, a lot of different guys to step up this year to sort of make up for some of their losses in the offseason. And, you know, one game in and, you know, they got those things. So we'll see how that translates over a longer period of time. But overall, I would say it, it was a good start for Vancouver. And, you, you know, it's going to hopefully give that group confidence right away. I don't know if you guys are seen, but do yourself a favor and look at Pedersen's pass on one of Besser's goal. Um, pretty out of this world. He didn't, he didn't yeah, score saw last it. night. But, like, it's, it's, it's a subtle thing, but, like, Tape to tape, it just yeah. I don't know if you've seen it. I, I've but said, I I've said, there. despite despite McDavid being the best player in the world, I, I do find Pedersen the most entertaining player to watch because of the stuff he tries. He has these subtle little deeks and moves that that blow me away every. That he time. does in like real game situations, which is insane. Oh, and I will say too on Besser. Now that you mentioned him, two goals last night. That's going to be big for him because He's... you know there was that little bit of concern last year that he was cooling off a little bit, but. To start off with two goals this year, I think that's going to be big for him confidence-wise. I don't know if I said this on Sunday, but apparently he was looking really good in training camp, um, like first year Besser with his shot back, and he absolutely proved last night he has his shot back, which you are correct, Nick. That will be huge for Vancouver. Must have been practicing with Mitch Marner. Anyhow, let's uh, let's touch on the Ottawa Senators. Nick, they haven't played yet. They're playing tomorrow uh, against Toronto. It's a home and home. Last team to play. I, I yep. you know, got robbed. <laughs> you hadn't, you, you didn't get the, to experience the bubble and then you had to wait this, this length, the season starts and they don't play for two days. Anyway, they are playing and they, uh, they made their final roster and Logan Brown is not a part of it. Uh, Logan Brown, look, I didn't know a lot about prospects back when, when that pick was made. I think it was what, ninth overall. Is that right? 11th overall, 2016. He was a big guy, and a lot of people thought he was really good because he was big, but then you had people saying, no, he actually has some skill, and he's big. Uh, he's not just someone that old-school GMs like. He's not making – he hasn't made the team, uh, as it looks like right now, and that's kind of upset a lot of Sens fans, and you can speak to it. Is he done with Ottawa? What do you think is happening with them and Logan Brown? You'd think in a rebuild like right now with Stutzel getting the opportunity, bringing in someone like Galchenyuk, um, Josh Norris is playing 1C. Why not give the opportunity to Logan Brown? And yeah, do you think he's done in Ottawa? Well, it's concerning when you look at it, no matter which way you slice it right now with Logan Brown. This is his fifth camp as an NHL hockey player now. He's only made it out of camp once, and that was in his second year when the team was still under Guy Boucher. And, you know, when we were looking ahead towards the offseason for Ottawa and when we were doing shows sort of right after the playoff ended, I was always saying that Ottawa, no matter which way you looked at it in the offseason, they just had to make sure that there were spots open for guys like Norris and Brown automatically, you know, with all the offseason moves they made, and especially the later one bringing in Stepan and essentially plugging up another hole at center. It was pretty evident that there was going to be one spot available for Norris and Brown to battle it out. And I wrote about it for fan sided, um, how the two of them were really going to battle it out. And I 
totally admittedly expected Logan Brown to get that because like you said, Pat, he always had that big frame, but I think a lot of people sort of noticed that, especially after he was drafted, that the big frame wasn't really even part of his game. It was all his skill. And that's why a lot of people liked him. And I, in the AHL, he's been a dominant player at least the past couple of years, but he just hasn't been able to make that step up, but it is upsetting watching the team, knowing he's probably better than players like Stepan and Isimov easily. However, you know, he just hasn't earned that trust of his coaches yet. And I wouldn't be surprised if the two sides split here now, you know, Logan Brown's not getting any younger. This is sort of the time by now we would have expected him to be making an impact in the NHL and he's just not been able to do it here. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's looking for a fresh start. Luke, when you look at this Ottawa roster, um, do you think they, they brought in, in too many veterans for what's supposed to be sort of a rebuild right now? Well, I mean, what is too many? Because I, I, think, I think that's kind of a super important part of, of any rebuild. And you can only throw in so many, um, you know, young up-and-comers. Like, exposure is great, but you've got to, like, you, you can't, you can't um, underestimate development. So I can't speak to, to Ottawa's um, prospect pool and development process, but... No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say they've brought in too many too many veterans because I, I'm sure that was a you know a, a balanced decision to make, and I I again I don't know their their contract length or anything, but no major commitment. I don't I don't really think it's an issue. If anything, uh, it's a good thing unless they're taking up, um, and I guess in this case maybe that's the case, but unless they're taking up. Uh, younger players ice time uh, I don't really have an issue with it yeah well that that's the one thing I'd point to is you know somebody like Rudolph Balsers who they lost on waivers yeah. going back to San Jose this week you know that's a guy whose spot you thought would have been guaranteed looking ahead at the offseason but now they're giving it to you know players who are automatically we know worse in Austin Watson and I think that's that's something that's going to upset Senators fans and hopefully it's something they solve here because I get wanting to buff your squad out for the taxi squad pat you can speak to it montreal's done it obviously they've got a lot of bodies now around their team a lot of guys at that nhl level but you know in ottawa's case now they've got a lot of these guys but it's still blocking what's supposed to be a young team yeah that's the thing is a lot of montreal's i guess top prospects made the team finally romanov and uh it's hard to say what i would expect from romanov and maybe that can excuse why they brought in edmondson as insurance in case the hype that Montreal gave Romanov didn't work out um but no I think I think while it might be good to have Logan Brown up there step on at least Stutzel gets some veteran presence instead of maybe you wouldn't want Stutzel and uh, Logan Brown on the same line and then Dadnov who's coming from a completely different team but I don't know you look at that bottom six I I think he can start on the wing and slowly move in integrate his way into the middle um and that'll lead me to my next question uh Nick about the sense uh, Colin White signed a, what, six-year deal deal last year, and he is set to be a scratch on the opening night uh, tomorrow night against the Leafs. What's what's going on in Ottawa? Just just give it to me straight. Yeah, it's it's interesting because he did sign that big deal, and, you know, that's showing – that's a big deal for Ottawa. You know, a six-year contract in Vancouver and Montreal is not the same thing as it is in Ottawa because of their lack of – their I, I would say – I'm trying to find a good word for it. I don't know. They're almost scared half the time to give out big money to players over a term. And we've seen that in the past with some of the players that they've let go and some of the guys that have come through in the past couple of years. So getting that contract to Colin White was a big signal of intent. 
but I don't know if it's message related, you know, maybe they didn't like his camp so much that he was having, but either way, you cannot have guys like Stefan and Isimov Watson playing ahead of Colin White. Colin White is here for the long term, whether you like it or not now, and that's a player you should be nurturing instead of obviously just trying to send a message to. So hopefully it's not more than just a one game thing because, you know, when you're on that type of a deal comes expectation from the fans and management and fans expect to see a guy like Colin White in the lineup every night because he's proven he is a good NHL player. Right. That's kind of, that's kind of what Bergevin does a lot of the time is he's, he is more willing to trade for and then extend someone else's players rather than extend his own. He seems very hesitant to extend players. He drafted, he did it when he traded for Drouin did it when he traded for Domi and then obviously Domi for Anderson, who he then signed. Um, it's interesting, but I am excited to watch Ottawa play. I do think they're going to surprise people. Yeah, they're the, still the worst team, but they're going to be, they're still going to be pretty good. So let's touch on this thing one last time. And we could not talk about it because when can we not, when do we pass up an opportunity to make fun of the Maple Leafs? TSN tweeted today, the Maple Leafs say they would like to see cross checks to the back in front of the net called more often. I think that's a reasonable uh, take. I just think it's funny that it's coming from Toronto. What do you guys think about this? It, this- like, get ha- yeah, like it, you can't really argue with that, but it, it it's just how it goes. You know, like, I could go on at length, and I'm sure I have at some points about the abuse that Pedersen gets in front of the net and elsewhere. Um, just a fact of the game, and I know a lot of last night was what Matthews was getting. I I don't know. Sure. Yeah. Like it's, it's a fair complaint, but to, to make it, you know, after the, the first game of the season and to, to, I don't know, it's just, it, it bothers me that that's, that's kind of what, what is in the news today that the Leafs aren't happy with how their superstar is being treated. I, I just don't have the time for it. And it's not. Yeah. Go ahead, Nick. Yeah, this is something that we shouldn't be realizing right now. We've talked about this actually on our show multiple times, and we did back in the playoffs when, like Luke just mentioned, Elias Patterson was receiving a lot of treatment like this from the Blues and the Golden Knights in the playoffs. And, you know, we all voiced our own individual concerns on that throughout the playoffs and throughout uh, episodes on the show. So I do think it's pretty funny that now, since Austin Matthews got a few cross-checks from Shea Weber, Ben Sherratt last night, that now all of a sudden we're talking about it. This isn't something we should be realizing now. This is something that a lot of people have known about, us included, and have been talking about for quite a while. Um, I don't disagree with what Toronto's saying. I, in fact, totally agree with it. They should be calling those penalties because there are penalties. I don't think yeah. it's just a hockey play because, again, you're injuring younger players purposely when you're an opposing team and you know we pay money uh as fans to go watch the big players like Matthews like Patterson so it's not something we should be realizing now but if this is what it takes to get attention get change in terms of the rule then I I guess I'm all for it yeah I understand it and I think all of our teams have more or less star players or at least players that people want to see more than others and it happened that's why I said Luke, don't give me that look. That's I didn't I say anything. Players, some people want to see more than others. You look at Brendan Gallagher, uh, who took a cross check, right, broke his jaw from Matt Niskan and took a ton of abuse in that playoff series. You look at it against Boston twice. Is going to try a blatantly cross checked uh, Gallagher right in the face? Um, it happens to Patterson. It happens to McDavid especially, and I think that's kind of why they have part in part why they have Zach Cassie in there. This is not a new thing. It's not specific to Toronto. I think it's good they brought it up, but I don't think. It's not, speci- it's not specific to Toronto, and it's not as if Toronto doesn't do it to the last night at 
had all the cross checks Gallagher took that Sherratt took from Toronto, some of their star players as well. So I understand the frustration. No one wants to get cross checked, but it is not specific to um, Toronto being the ones taking abuse. We can see this here. We just pulled it up. There's, there's two guys, three guys, technically, if you count Freddie on Gallagher, um, a bunch of stuff. Anyway, this is kind of nitpicking, but um, I think we'd all be I in know, agreement, but, well, we're all in a, we're all in agreement. It's not. It's just not. A, it's not specific to Toronto. It's, it's any team. Any any good players yes. are getting that treatment. Um, it just shouldn't be a thing that we're talking about just now. Anyway, that does it for this. Uh, for I guess yeah, episode forty nine. We are coming up on episode fifty. We need to think of what we're going to. Hopefully, do. it'll be live. But Ho- hopefully, it will be live. We're still trying to cross. figure that out. Um, but yeah, as far as hockey goes, uh, Montreal plays Ottawa or Edmonton after. Uh, after the Ottawa-Toronto game. Uh, Nick, real quick, Ottawa has a home-and-home against Toronto. Who do you have coming out on top in those two games? And I, I think they'll go one-and-one one split. I think Ottawa's at least going to come out flying in opening night and might try and take at least a win in that one. But, uh, you know, obviously I can't, in all good heart, pick Ottawa to win both of them against Toronto, although as a fan, that would be very nice to see. Luke, what is Vancouver's schedule looking like? Um, actually, this time next week, they'll be handing it to Jesperi and the gang, uh, as well as the night prior. So by next show, um, Vancouver and Montreal have maybe played. All right. Well, Montreal plays Saturday against Edmonton, and then they move on to their three-game stint against the Canucks, which I'm sure Luke and I will have a um, entertaining back and forth but for those listening thank you so much for tuning in to take to take and we will see you next week hopefully live thanks guys take it easy